everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to First and Gold, hardest hitting up and coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Tuesday, April 19th in the year 2022, and I am your host, Ben, joined here as always by my co host, the one, the only, Big Rob. How you doing over there, brother? Say hello to the big guy. What's going on, my brother? <laughs> I hear you, the big guy. <laughs> oh, man. Looks like we got a fun one in store for you guys today. We're going to be discussing the 2002 SECE East projected over-under win totals. Yes, sir. We're going to be discussing a little bit about uh, all the SEC East teams, um, you know, what they're projected at, and we're going to give you our take on it, you know, just a quick hot take without really digging in too awful much into our, you know, win-loss for each team. That, that, you know, that's yet to come more a little closer to the season. That's right. That's right. And I mean, um, I know spring football is, for the most part, in the books. we still got a few teams left this month. But uh, we was going to jump into that. We started thinking about some well, Before we jump into it, last year we always studied the film. If you've been with us for a while, you know that. And we saw we were going to wait, make sure we break down the film real good on these teams before we get here and jump on. We don't want to have any kind of content. We miss anything we – going on on the field that we don't pick up on. So we like to be thorough with our work. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we can, you know, generally just do a loose, you know, translation of what we see on the field. But why do something twice when you can get it done right once? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, I mean, you study enough film, you can't get it all in the first time you look at it. Hell, you can't get it in the second time you look at it. You look at film, man, you got to look at the same footage. I mean, it might take three, four times sometimes. Just, just one. to get through one play. Yeah. I'm saying you might have to watch a whole game three, four different times before you really get everything going. You're still going to miss things. There's just so much. I mean, you look at footwork, hand techniques, linemen, looking at linebackers reading play, watching their steps, looking at receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks. I mean, there's so much to go over with these teams. And I just, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, Hell, I was over here last Friday. We watched a little bit of the uh, Florida game, uh, just trying to take a look at it. And how many times did we rewind at least two or three of the plays just to see what the linebackers are doing, where the running back, where the hole was, you know, exactly what happened there. So, yeah, we ain't going to be able to do all these games in just, you know, one one or two weeks. No, no, absolutely not. And I mean, it might take a little time, but you know what, guys? It'd be ongoing content y'all can enjoy. But also, I promise you, when you listen to us, you will be able to know that we have studied this. We're not going to be talking about something. We're not just going to be shooting a fireball out of our ass. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. There's going to be no shooting from the hips. There's going to be no, you know, I think he did this here. I, I think this is going to be that way. We're going to be able to give you step by step of what happened with that play and what we think is going to be happening in the future. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you get, the best part about spray football is you get a good look, not at the just the first stringers. But you get a good look at the depth. Yeah. You can look at guys that are on the bench last year and see them this year in the spring game. You didn't see them none last season, but you get to see where they have progressed throughout the year last year, where they might have picked up on the scout team, things like that, what some veteran players might have taught them. And you get to see where guys have come along, and you get to see what you're working with for not just this year, but next year. Unless you've you got teams playing two-hand touch. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot from that. That's <laughs> – you still get your basic footwork. I will say that. You still yeah. get your linebackers. You still get your regions, your quarterback, D-backs, wide receivers. All You still get a lot with those, but at the same time, you don't get everything you get with 100% football. Exactly. You play a lot looser when you know you're not going to get hit. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, there's no – you don't have to worry about that clock going off your, you know, in your head if you're the quarterback. You're just sitting back there trying to read. That's exactly right, my man. That's exactly right. But uh, before we jump into this SEE's uh, over-under win totals for this coming year, projected win totals, how about a little news around the league? We got some breaking news coming from this past Saturday. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. You want to go ahead and talk about that real quick? Yeah. First and foremost, I want to say we've been saying something for over a year now, ever since NIL came out. Like we said, we're not bashing it. I think the players deserve to get paid. I wholeheartedly agree with that. But one thing we said was these young kids getting a lot of money, brand new vehicles, basically more money than they can blow. Yeah. 
it's going to cause some problems. There's going to be some focus issues, some mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes, but let's face it, people. You holding $50,000 at 30, year old, 30 years old and have fifty grand in your pocket at 20. Yeah. Two whole different things. Very much so. I mean, you've got to live and you've got to learn. You've got to grow up. And for a kid to be 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, and to have that kind of money, there's there's going to be some bad things happening. First time away from home. And I hate to hear this news because I think the player, I believe from what I've picked up so far, listed him, I think he's a good young man. I believe he's a good kid. It's a program that's in a rebuilding stage. <laughs> and you already have one quarterback transfer out. This is supposed to be your future, your savior. Your replacement. Yes, sir. Your savior. I mean, he looked yeah. outstanding when he played. There's no denying the talent. And then you see this off the field stuff going on. It's like, oh no. Yeah. So, Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. He has a an ideal with a Dodge company down there in Florida. Well, guess what happened Saturday night? Just take a wild guess. You mean Friday morning? Well, Friday morning. Or no, excuse me, excuse me. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Well, yeah, Sunday morning. Yep. After the weekend after the spring game, Anthony Richardson gets clocked going 105 miles an hour in his 2021 Dodge. And I think they said it's 4.30, 4.34, something like that in the morning. Yep. In Florida. And the speed limit where he is at, I think they said it was, what, 55? 55 or 60. And that just... That has trouble wrote all over it. So now he has to go to court. Yeah, mandated court. He didn't get arrested. He could have got arrested for it. Believe you me, at that kind of speeds, man, that's that's felony. I'll tell you right now, if he was not a Florida Gator in Gainesville, <laughs> he'd probably still be in jail right now. Yeah, they threw him under the jail. And I'm happy. I'm happy for the young man that he didn't go to jail. But at the same time, it also has to make you a little bit nervous for him because – Let's face it, you get away with one thing, then you start thinking, well, hell, I got away with that. You start getting a little bit of a sense of being untouchable. Bulletproof. Superman. And you look at what happened this past year in the NFL with wide receiver. Was it Henry Ruggs? I think so. With the Raiders? Mm -hmm. I think it was. It got in a car accident and killed. Yep. It's awful. A young man just ruined his career. He, he ruined his life. Yeah. And he ruined somebody else's life in the process. Yeah. It ended their life. Yep. He got in a crash, high speeds, and I think he was uh, DUI as well. Yeah. And, I mean, two lives ruined. One life ended, and, I mean, another one life basically might as well be ended because with one stupid felony, felony DUI, that's life sentence, man. Yeah. Felony DUI, man, that's, uh, I mean, that's 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 like murder one. Exactly, over one stupid decision. Yep. And now you got kids in college, and we're not trying to crack down on Richardson. Really, no. we're really not. But at the same time, young man, you need to worry less about the party life. You need to get your head out your ass. I'm, I'm just going to say as bluntly as I can, you have an opportunity of a lifetime in front of you that you're going through right now. And listen, boys are going to be boys. Kids are going to be kids. If you want to go out and have a good time somewhere, man, that's all fun and good. But at the same time, they got Uber. Yeah, absolutely. Call a damn Uber. Call a friend. Mm -hmm. But to be out at 4.30 in the morning. Running 105 miles an hour. And, and I'll be honest with you, he didn't get a DUI or nothing. But that almost disturbs me a little bit more because one of two things happened. Either you got away with something, mm -hmm. which is not good for your own good because it's hard to learn your lesson Yep. if you get away with something. But also, if, you, if he was sober, that's even more alarming because then you got to ask yourself, what the hell is this kid doing out 
late Saturday night, early Sunday morning at 4.30 in the morning, running 100 miles an hour in a pickup. Yeah. Or not a pickup, a car, whatever the hell he drives, 2021 Dodge. He always said it was his Dodge. I don't know if it was a Charger, if it was a Challenger, if it was a Ram, what it was. But running over 100 miles an hour at 4.30 in the morning, I mean, if you're doing that sober... That's even more alarming. Yeah. Because that means you had a clear head and you're a quarterback. You're supposed to be one of the smartest players on the field here. Now, I got to question your decision making off the field. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, who's to say that, you know, something that wouldn't happen? You know, a tire blows or you hit a bump or something, you lose control of the vehicle and wrap yourself around a tree at 105 miles an hour. That's game over, but. That's exactly right. And thank goodness nothing like that happened. Yeah. But my take is. It's a really bad look on Billy Napier. It's a bad look on Anthony Richardson, but it really goes back to it's a bad look on Napier. You're, you're coming in here reestablishing the culture, rebuilding the culture, changing the football program, getting these young men focused, helping these young men. And when your job, your job as a coach is not only to help them in football, but to help these kids make better decisions in life. Yeah. And you come in there and you just get done with your first spring game and everything else. And not even three days later. Yep. This happens. I mean, and when you're a first time head coach, now you're, the whole world is looking at your head coach. Because not only are you going to port, but they're going to sit and look at his coach and say, okay, well, uh, what do you want to do about this? Yeah. It's going to cause your coach to make, have, to might have to make a decision. That's not going only going to hurt the program and hurt yourself. Well, man, you, the thing is, they have to do something. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, because if you don't do something, that's just sending a signal. Well, then it's going to go back to the old rap that the Florida Gators used to have. Oh, <laughs> these players can run wild, bad school, yep, bad places. NIL, they ain't going to want to touch you. No, not at all. And here's the thing. That's man. bad publicity. Bad, bad publicity. Here's the thing, though. Not only are you representing the Florida University while you're on the field playing football, while you're going to class, but because you are who you are, not only name, image, likeness is getting you a paycheck right now, but you got to remember name, Image and likeness is what's going to be represented outside of the field, outside of the school. Your name and your image, I mean, that's that's fully represented by you. You're hurting your stock, but you're also hurting your program. That's exactly right. The thing is, name, image, likeness. All right. If your name comes up on a rap sheet, that's not good. <laughs> no. If your image pops up on a mugshot, that's not good. No. If the only reason people like you is because you out partying with them at 3 in the morning, that's not a good way to be liked. No. You're going down the wrong path here, man. Um, showing out right around the same time a new coach comes in that's trying to reestablish culture, that's not a good thing to do. No. It don't matter how good you are. South Carolina had a quarterback. <laughs> I ain't going to say no names. We all remember him. Hell of a player. Hell, one of, one of my personal favorite quarterbacks. Possibly the best to ever play in South Carolina. Very well, Definitely talent-wise. Yeah. Definitely talent-wise. Incredible athlete. But he couldn't. He could not stay away from trouble. On the field. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's. Or, excuse me, stay away from trouble off the field. Off the field, that's right. Going, you know, going to the clubs at night, you know, after after the games, Saturday nights, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it just, it put spur at the time. Mm-hmm. In a position where one suspension led to another suspension, led to another suspension, until finally your senior season, what very well could have been your 
I mean, punctuation mark on your way to the NFL. All of a sudden, you're off the damn team. Yeah. Your career is over. Let's be honest. Most of your NFL teams don't want a problem child. No. They don't want somebody that, that they're going to have to worry about. There's exception to a couple of teams out there. I'm not going to name any names. But for the most part, they want somebody with a good head. Well, look at perfect example, Cleveland Browns. Johnny Manziel. <laughs> yeah. Had to get hell out of there. And the kid had talent out of this world. The problem was he he was partying to the point to where it was affecting his off-field play mm-hmm. and causing enough trouble off-field. The franchise said, okay, you're not worth the trouble. We got to get you out of here. Then they go to Baker Mayfield. Wins a playoff game with them two years ago now. <laughs> two years ago. First time they won the playoffs since dinosaurs were on the damn earth. <laughs> not even two years later, he's replaced. And nobody wants him because he's not liked. Yep. People don't like him. He's not respected. And one of his big things was immaturity. Yep. Now, what they did hiring Chester and Molester to come in there and replace him, I don't know. I don't know what the hell's up with that. Chester and Molester. The damn massage parlor of the Tickle Monster. I don't know what exactly in the hell's going on with that, the whole ordeal. But. Goodness gracious. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Oh, but I mean, <laughs> tickled. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Brown. That's that's a hypocritical from hell organization, ain't it though? Ain't it though? But I mean, there's there's several. Cam Newton, another good example. The way he presented himself, the way he carried himself, put himself in a bad position, and then he started playing not good on the field. His play on the field didn't back it up either. No, not at all. All of a sudden, people found reasons not to have him on a roster. Yep, exactly. And, uh, what about Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. I mean, prime example there. He has a few good seasons at San Francisco, and then things go awry. And he gets he gets on the wrong side of people for you know making a, a mess of things, and then he's he's out of football. Yeah. The biggest thing is, man, what we're trying to say is, Do not let this little bit of money take your focus away from where it needs to be. You need to be focused on your education. Focus on being the best you are at your craft. And focus on planning your future, figuring out your future. Football don't last forever. No, it does not. And living in the now, that's all good and well. But you know what? Living in the now can make your career and sometimes your life come to an end now. Yeah. Ain't a, that's not a good way to be, man. No, not at all, man. Not at all. But besides that, what kind of other news you got over there, Big Rob? So your favorite coach out there, Coach O, Ed Orgeron. My dude. He made a surprise appearance at Notre Dame this past week. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He came to spring practice. He addressed the team, basically told them that, you know, what kind of a coaching staff they've got, that he's, he's proud of them, and, you know, he's excited for them, and told them that it may not be this season, but with this staff, with this team, you're going to win it all. That would be hysterical. Yeah. Brian Kelly leaving, they win a natty. That'd be funnier than hell. <laughs> the next year. That'd be pretty fun. <laughs> I can get a kick out of it. What the hell is the coach over doing there around the Irish dude? Uh, apparently what, what they t- uh, what they said was he took a vacation from vacation to go up there to meet with Notre Dame. He'd probably run around with a box of Lucky Charms under his arm. <laughs> Chasing the leprechaun around. Ain't no damn telling <laughs> Coach Ova. Ain't no telling Coach Ova. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, man. Some uh, recruiting news. Caleb Herring. Uh, edge rusher, four-star. He committed to Tennessee this past week. That's good. Cornerback, seven banks, transfers from Ohio State, goes to LSU. Interesting. He's a four-star cornerback. He's, he's one of the best out there. Speaking of Notre Dame, Notre, uh, Notre Dame unveils NIL campaign 
uh, led by the one and only Brady Quinn. It's named the the Fund Foundation, Friends of the University of Notre Dame. And it is a 501c3 not-for-profit not organization. They're, they're trying to get them boys paid out there. And it's magically mm. delicious. <laughs> defensive end, Gabriel Harris, four-star. Defensive end, class of 2023, commits to Georgia this week. That's just what they needed. Yes, sir. And that's really about all I've got as far as the recruiting news and commitments. Now, I do have a couple of other things that I want to discuss, talking about the uh, transfer portal, who all has entered the transfer portal this week. How many you got over there? Quite a few. We ain't going through the whole list. (laughs) All right. That damn free agency they got going on now. Yeah. That's the NIL free agency. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, NIL free agency. But (laughs) – other than that, man, let's. Uh, I'm ready to talk a little bit of this over/under SEC East football. All right, sounds like a damn good plan to me. Let's start it off with Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, yes, sir. They are projected to win eleven and a half games yep, this over, year. Over/under at eleven and a half. Schedule: They're going to be at Oregon, very first game. South Carolina feels just like a trap game to me. It really does. And, um, yeah, just South Carolina is just, well, they they reloaded real quick, you know, through the portal. They've got some talented people in. Spencer Rattler, Christian Bill Smith, I mean, and the five-star running back that uh, they got a couple of years ago, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, man, he's going to be a beast this year as well. That line is looking great. So that that's that. I think that could definitely be a trap game for Georgia. And guys, I ain't too sure I didn't hit the damn button on this laptop. If it did cut out, what we're discussing right now is win loss totals, and we're talking about Georgia. Like we said, they're projected eleven and a half. I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> Same. Rob's calling bullshit. I don't see him going undefeated. I mean, you got South Carolina that third game of the year. That can always be a problem for Georgia for whatever reason. And I'm not saying South Carolina's going to be some giant world beater this coming year, but you're playing in williams Bryce Stadium, your third game of the year. You got Oregon and Sanford, so you hadn't had no real test of an opponent. Oregon, normally I'd say it would be a little bit of a test, but with Crystal Ball leaving and everything else, lost a lot of players to the portal. I just don't see Oregon being a threat, especially with South Carolina's new additions they have. I think they'll give them a scare, but I think they will prevail in the end of that game. In Oregon? Yes, sir, Oregon. That's right. Well, you got South Carolina week three. That's a very well, very losable game. Then two weeks later, you got Missouri. I don't really worry about Eli and them too terribly much, but they can pose a threat. Week after that, you got Auburn. That's a who the hell knows. You don't know what going to do on a week-to-week basis. Right. Auburn, I think, is really a coin flip type of game. That's exactly right. Week after that, you got your Vanderbilt. But then, you have a four-week stretch that is, I mean, brutal. Florida Gators. That could be a tough one. Tennessee Volunteers. Josh Heifel and those guys. That could be a very at-large game. Very dangerous. Then Mississippi State. That's another one. Coin toss. You never know with Mississippi State. And then Kentucky is just, I mean, getting better and better. Yeah. So, me personally, they're calling 11 and 5. I feel very confident in betting. And they're just calling 11.5 wins for them. I'd feel very confident and choosing the under on that one. Absolutely, sure. man. Absolutely. Now, with this schedule, the problem that I see, like you said, that stretch after Vandy, you've got versus Florida, basically at Florida, home versus Tennessee, home versus Mississippi State, and you've got to travel to Kentucky. So you've got two strong teams, three strong teams, before you get to Kentucky. If you look at Kentucky's schedule – they play Mizzou and Vandy before they do Georgia. 
So the Kentucky in the past, one would assume you go into that game thinking you pretty much got that licked, especially after the schedule that you just went through, that gauntlet. I, I really think that could be a trap game for Georgia as well. Well, I mean, man, Kentucky is a legit contender for the SEC yeah. East this year. I mean, I'm, I feel very confident in saying this year the SEC East, despite – very different beliefs of a lot of people. I think this year the SEC East is very much wide open. Up for grabs. I mean, Tennessee, it would not surprise me to see Tennessee sneak up with the SEC East. It would not surprise me a bit to see Kentucky win it. South Carolina, who knows? I don't see it happening this year. But they're, I think they're a dark horse. They could be a dark horse. I'll give you that. Florida. You don't know what they're going to do with Billy Napier. I think they've still got a ways to go, especially with Saturday night shenanigans going on. I think they're a year or two away from actually being able to compete for the East, but you never know with Florida. You really don't. No, no, you really don't with them. So, Georgia, we we going to agree here, both say under? Yep, both say under, 11.5. All right, Georgia's under. <laughs> on to the next. On to the next. Next, we got Tennessee. They're over under 8.5. They play Ball State at home. First game, then they're at Pitt. And then they're home to Akron in Florida. Then they're at LSU. Then they're home to Bama. Home to UT Martin. And then uh, home at UK. Then they travel to Georgia. Then they're home to Mizzou. And then their last two games of the season, they play at South Carolina and at Dandy. And they're calling eight and a half wins. Eight and a half. So basically three losses. Yep. Eight's a very good number. If it was just flat eight wins. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I'd be scared to argue with that. But with that point five thrown in there. I agree. I just – I see four losses. The thing that scares me about Tennessee is Hendon Hooker. He is a very, very legit quarterback. But last season, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Last two seasons. Yeah, the last two seasons, you never really knew what you're going to get from him. Whether he was going to be, you know, the top-notch, you know, nose-to-the-groundstone sort of quarterback – or if he's confused and, you know, throwing interceptions or, or whatnot. So you never really know what you're getting. It's not so much on the interceptions to me. I think sometimes his issue is he tries to take games onto his shoulder, which that's a – listen, as a quarterback, you love seeing that. You love seeing a confident quarterback who wants the ball in his hand. Right. But at the same time, if you got a dual-threat quarterback, sometimes it could be a little bit of a double-edged sword because – the game might be close on the line, and they just want to tuck the ball and try to run, make something happen out of nothing. And it doesn't always work out that well. And also, you take a lot of abuse throughout the year doing that. Take a lot of shots. And just Josh Heupel's done a great job with this offense. He brought it back to life, bar none. Did yep. an outstanding job. Yep. But now you got a year in the books. You got a lot of players coming back, which is a good thing, but also at the same time, you got a lot of film out there for all these schools to look at. Before, everybody's looking at Hendon Hooker. Okay, he was an ACC. You didn't see him against SEC competition. You didn't see him in the Josh Heifel offense. You didn't see this air raid offense. Right. Now you got that. You got a lot of film. You know what Hendon Hooker's tendencies are. Teams that beat him. Put them in bad positions. You know what bothers them. Mm -hmm. You know it works well for them. A lot of familiarity there. Right. And, I mean, some of these schools, Pittsburgh, they should win that one. Should. Should. But you don't know what you're getting out of Pitt? You don't. Florida, that's always a toss-up, Tennessee and Florida. I think Tennessee could take them. But at the same time, you get Anthony Richardson if he stays out of trouble, <laughs> stays healthy. 
Florida could surprise you. LSU, that's going to be a tough one. Yep. That'll be a tough one. And it's played at LSU, ain't it? At LSU, yes, sir. That's a very tough one. Going to, going to Death Valley in October, that's tough. Yeah. Then right after that, the very next week, you got Bama. You got Florida, LSU, and Bama. Three-week stretch. Yep. That's hard. Then you got another four-week stretch. After a one-week break against Tennessee Martin, you go to – you got ten, Kentucky at home. Yep. Then you got to go to Georgia between the hedges. Yep. You got Missouri at home. Then you got to go to Williams Bryce to South Carolina. That's four teams right there. Yep. That can very easily win any given day. And then Vanderbilt. Vandy's been a joke. But those that team they played last year. They played football and they looked hungry. They played their asses off. They really did. They played very hungry. They lost a lot of games, but I'm telling you, the, Vandy's on their way out of that slump, bro. Now, am I saying Vandy's going to be a SEC East contender? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I'm not calling that. But Vandy could very well go back to what they were a few years ago with being that team that just pulls off random upsets on these big teams throughout the year. Here's the thing. To me, this season – and probably going forward, I'm going to call Vandy a rattlesnake that'll just be able to jump up and bite you just at the right time. You'll never see it coming. That's more of a copperhead. Rattlesnake, you can hear the rattles. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I was giving you hell, man. uh, Okay, cotton mouth then. Yeah, Vandy's not a team that you want to sleepwalk against. A very hungry team like that it's got a terrible reputation. That's a very dangerous team. Yeah, absolutely. So, for me, Tennessee, 8, 8.5. I'm saying under. At 8.5, i got to take the under, too. i got to take that under, too. I, I really do. I think that there's going to be some surprises. I don't think that they're going to be as good as they are last year. You know, they did lose some key pieces, you know, parts into the transfer portal. You know, some, some people went to the pro ball. I see it being under under 8.5. I, I really think it's going to be, you know, somewhere close to seven or eight games. Yeah, I'm thinking they're a solid seven and five team this year. I think they'll be solid seven and five. They might pull off eight and four, but I don't see that ninth win in the regular season. Might can get it in a bowl game, but not in the regular season. Right. No, regular season, definitely. So we're both under? Both under. All right. On to the next. <laughs> Kentucky, eight game over under. They play first game, Miami of Ohio. Then they're at Florida, home versus Youngstown State. Then they're home to NIV Huskies. Then they're at Ole Miss, home to South Carolina, home to Mississippi State, at Tennessee, at Mizzou. They finish up with the three-game home stretch: Vandy, Georgia, and Louisville. And a projected eight games. Eight games. Damn, this is a tough one. It is a tough one. This whole season, this whole season, really depends honestly on that South Carolina game. I hate to say that, but I feel like. They have a very good chance of being 4 0 coming into that game. Mm-hmm. If you lose to South Carolina at home, that could put you on a bit of a landslide. That could hurt you against teams like Georgia and the remaining schedule. Because that's when you get into the thick of your schedules after Carolina. Yep. So if you beat Carolina and you get that 5 0 rolling, you're one game away from bowl eligibility. You get a lot of steam, a lot of prestige. But if South Carolina beats you, man, that could really stop you dead in tracks and throw a curveball into the rest of your year. It really hurts your momentum. 
Absolutely, absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly. About like what happened to Florida last year. So let's let's look at the the teams that are jumping out at me on paper now. The second game of the year, you're at Florida. Florida again, they're on the building side of things. They're, they're rebuilding, but they're still a dangerous, dangerous team. Let's just call it what it is: Youngstown and NIV. They, you know, they, they pretty much. You know, you, you get a two-week break before you face Ole Miss at Ole Miss. Again, a very, very dangerous team, but we don't know what we're going to get at this point with, you know, with everybody leaving, you know, to the NFL or transferring out. And then you play South Carolina after the Ole Miss game. And just think of what kind of game that South Carolina game was last season. How back and forth it really was. You got a point, but also last year it was in Williams Bryce Stadium. True, and that plays a very huge factor in things. So, this is a really tough one for me to call. Mm. Eight wins. I'm going to say under. Going under eight. I'm going under eight. I'm going to pick them at seven. Going at seven. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one, partner. I think I think they're at nine. I think they're over. I just – that South Carolina game is a major wild card for me, but the only bad thing is, is the Florida game, I'll give them that one. I think they got Florida beat right now. Okay. Culture, everything else is just got them. But after that South Carolina game, excuse me, early morning's catching up with me, man. But uh, <laughs> after that South Carolina game, that is a brutal stretch to end the season. Yeah. And at the end of the season, your team's already, that's when you're starting to get a little banged up, starting to be missing a few guys. <coughs> Got guys that are playing, but are not quite 100%. That's a tough time to have a rough stretch. Now, and also, same time, you might have everything ironed out by then. You got several weeks to get tuned up and fine-tune and tweak everything. But me personally, I just... I want, I want bad to say over, but I just, I can see the eight wins. I can see eight, but I don't see nine in the regular season. I just, I don't see it. I'm with you. I think they beat Florida. I think Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And Tennessee, I think, really are toss-ups. I feel like they're going to be overlooking South Carolina coming into that game simply because they got Mississippi State. They just played Ole Miss. They got Mississippi State next, and then they got to go to Tennessee. I think they may overlook South Carolina, so I think that's a trap. That's that's what I'm saying. See, Ole Miss, hear me out. Mm -hmm. If they beat Ole Miss – They could be in a lot of trouble in that South Carolina game. Mm-hmm. 4-0. A school that's not used to being on a very hot stretch. You look at them last year. They started off red hot. Right. Looked, they look like a damn SEC contender. And then once they finally lost that first game, started having some issues. Yep. Yep. Once they, once they lost that first game, it's like they lost the confidence. Well, it's like that what Mike Tyson's saying. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. And last year when they got punched in the mouth, I feel like they got exposed a little bit. They lost a little bit of that intimidating factor. Right. I really, really like Kentucky at eight. I think that is... Pretty well spot on, but 
We're not going to do pushes in this podcast. I'm not going to do a push in this podcast. No. And I, I'm not. I'm going to stick with my over on this one. All right. So I'm under. You're over. Yep. We'll call it final. Final. All right, on to the next. On to the next. Florida, over under at seven. They play Utah, UK, and USF at home for the first three games. Right. And then they're at Tennessee, and then they're home versus Eastern Washington, Mizzou, LSU, and Georgia. And then they play at A&M. Home to South Carolina at Vandy at Florida State. Seven wins, eh? Seven wins. Damn it. If this was Friday, I'd put them over. But due to the circumstances (laughs) as of this moment... (laughs) And until we know what the hell is going to happen with Richardson, if there's any kind of punishment, if there's anything going on with that. Because I'll tell you right now, if he misses the Utah game start here, mm-hmm. I wouldn't put past Utah. Yeah. I would not put it past him. So once again, I'm the Debbie Downer over here. Under. I just I don't like that schedule. I feel like this is a team that is still a rebuild. It's not. I feel like it's still a rebuild. I feel like Napier will get it back to its relevancy. But as of this moment, the culture is still not where it needs to be. I feel like Richardson getting in trouble the other night was a sign of that. I saw some things in their spring game. We'll discuss it when we break it down, but I've seen several things with that spring game that were major red flags to me that I still do not like. I'm not – I'm sorry, but as of this very moment, I, I've sold my stock in Florida as of this very moment. All right, so let's take a look at this thing. Rebuilding Florida. Like you said, very much a rebuild. I still think they're one to two seasons out. I don't think that this is their year. I, I think they still got a lot to go. I, I think they gotta they gotta build that cohesive unit. And I mean, this schedule is not an easy schedule at all. Even though they've only got four away games, they got a long stretch at home. But you're playing Kentucky. You're playing. LSU, you're playing Georgia, and you're playing South Carolina all at home. All these teams can beat you quick, fast, and in a hurry. Tennessee, you're at Tennessee. It's hard to play at Tennessee. Well, that's a, that's a tough-ass place, man. That's a tough-ass place to play. And then you got to go to College Station at A&M. Exactly. And then you got to go to Vandy, and we've already talked about what kind of rattlesnake Vandy can be. And then an up-and-coming Florida State at Florida State at Bobby Bowdenville. And we don't know what the hell they're going to do. There's no damn telling whatsoever what the hell's going to happen with that. The biggest problem Florida had last year is that defense. Without going too much into what we saw, I still feel like that's going to be a problem. I feel like defense is going to be a problem. you got issues on that offense too, though. And I'm just going to throw one other thing out there. I'm not – I'm trying not to sound like I'm bashing down on Richardson or nothing, but also – all right, this thing was Saturday night. A lot of us are red flaggy. A lot of y'all caught me off guard, but then I started thinking about it. All right. What happened last year when he was supposed to start against South Carolina? <laughs> he got hurt. He didn't get hurt in practice. At the hotel. Yeah. Now, did he get hurt at the hotel, or was he just too drunk to play? I don't know. I, I can see him getting injured because, hell, Emory Jones played the rest of the year. 
But my thing is, if you got hurt, how did you get hurt at the hotel? Unless there was some partying going There's, I have an issue with maturity here. Agreed. And Wholeheartedly I, agreed. And just when you got these kind of things coming up, last year I was saying, okay, damn, I almost checked out. The culture was horrible last year. It, it was gone in Gainesville. It was bad. Yep. We knew coming out of the damn media days, there was something majorly wrong with this program. But then I'm seeing these things coming into this year. Emory Jones hit the portal and said, no, I'm going to stick it out of Florida. I'm going to try and stay here and work with Coach Napier. What, two weeks in the spring practice? He was out. Yeah. Decided again he was leaving. Yep. That's a little bit of a red flag to me. The fact that he decided to stay, he entered the portal and decided to stay, and then that early decided he was leaving. That's a red flag to me. Yep. Guys come and go all the time, but for one to say he's leaving and then change his mind and say he's staying and then turn around and still leave, that doesn't click. No, no. And I'm not saying that the locker room per se is bad, but I do think that there is still some fixing that needs to be done as far as the cohesion as a unit at Florida. I agree. And I just, I'm not seeing what I need to see right now to buy in on this program. No, not at all. And I mean, I've seen some of Billy Napier's interviews, and honestly, I'm not quite sold on Billy Napier at Florida. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on that either. And I'm, I'm telling you on that, this could change before the season. We're going to do another preview before the season, go over some more time. This is our very early going over what they already have. But as of this moment, I'm out on Florida. Yeah, so my stock too. I'm going under. All right. We're both at under. Is that final? Final. On to the next. <laughs> South Carolina. Send it. Send it. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm Over under at six. First game, Georgia State. Then they're at Arkansas. Then they're home to Georgia, Charlotte, and South Carolina State. Then they're on the road to UK. Then they're home versus AM and Missouri. And then they're at Vandy, at Florida, home versus Tennessee. And for the last game of the year, we're at Clemson. All right. This is where I'm at South Carolina. The cultures are going in the right direction. The talent on the roster is going in the right direction. you got a lot of great things going. The fan base is making a huge comeback. I'm going to go over on South Carolina. But here's the difference in why between them and Florida, okay? You look at their schedule and you say, where? I'm thinking they'll win seven games this year is what I'm thinking. Hell, who knows? They might slip up and get eight. But I'm, I feel comfortable with seven in the regular season. Could I be wrong? I could. Been wrong before. Yep. But the difference in them in Florida is I'm buying stock in South Carolina because the program's going in the right directions. You got big time players leaving big time programs that are having great success and coming here. Yep. And it's about the culture. And this program, if a player slips up, they're no longer with the program. Yep. There's it is what it is. Everything's set in stone. It's all about love, support. They take care of each other. And a team that loves each other and plays for each other wins games they're not supposed to win. Yep. This team last year won six games in the regular season, seven if you count bowl game. And they were only – I think the over and under was like three or four last year. And they did it by beating teams that they were major underdogs to. Florida game. Huge underdog, and they ran through Florida. Auburn, huge underdog, went through Auburn. North Carolina, big underdog, ran them over. Yep. 
And that's where I think it's more so the culture itself and the guys playing for each other, for their school, and taking that pride was the extra step. Well, the thing about this South Carolina team that really got me last year is even when they were getting blown out by Georgia, when they were getting blown out by Tennessee, they never quit. They played all four quarters. They played as a unit. There was no finger pointing. They played as a unit, and they, they kept continuing to, to at least try. The South Carolina teams in the past would have just gave up after the, third, after the second quarter. Well, it's just it's a team that fights. It's a team that strives to get better. And it's a team that throughout the year learned from their lessons, learned from their weaknesses, and improved on it. They, they found a way to play with what they had. And they did not, not knocking them, but they did not. They were missing a lot of pieces last year. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree there. There's so. only one game on this schedule that I feel is a for sure lock that South Carolina will lose, and that's Texas A&M. Texas A&M just got something over South Carolina. I'm not even going to call that a for sure loss. I'd say they're – how would you put it? Most unfavorable games, yeah. the games that they could – to stand the biggest chance of losing would definitely be A&M and Georgia. Um, Arkansas that early in the year, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Clemson, you never know. Right. But I could see them getting to seven wins by beating teams that they should not beat. I could see seven to eight wins. So I'm – I'm taking over. I'm going over. I feel confident now, so. I do, too. You good with that? I'm good with it. Send it. All right. On to the next. All right. We're looking at uh, Missouri. Over, under at five games. They're going to be home versus Louisiana Tech. At Kansas State. Home versus Abilene Christian. At Auburn. Home to Georgia. At Florida. And then home to Vandy, South Carolina, UK, Tennessee, New Mexico, and Arkansas. I'm taking over. You going over with Missouri? Yeah. Eli. Ah, oh, damn Eli. He's, <laughs> he's going to get a bowl game. He's going to get a bowl game. And the reason I say that is whether you love him or hate him, and I do not care for him. <laughs> He does have a culture there. You watch the team play, they do play with fire. They play with heart. It's a tough playing football team. It really is. He can be a bit of a douche. <laughs> bit of a jackass, but uh, as far as a coach, he does get a lot out of his players. And I could see them beating Auburn. I could see them beating Florida. I could see them surprising in Arkansas, maybe. There's several schools there that they could slip up on. Yeah. So. I think they win all of their out-of-conference games. And so you're looking at one, two, three, four. Four out-of-conference games. Who all they play out-of-conference? New Mexico State, Louisiana Tech, Kansas State, and Abilene Christian. Kansas State might give them a fit. That's the Wildcats. We ain't talking about Jayhawks. Yeah. That could be an interesting one. I still think they, they should win that game. Should, but I wouldn't be surprised. So they're, I mean, okay, so we'll call three wins. For sure, yeah. Three wins for sure. So then you've got to pull a win out against Kansas State, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Vandy, South Carolina, UK, Tennessee, and Arkansas. I give them six wins. I'm, I'm with you. I think six wins is probably the safe bet on that. If I we get to a bowl game, he's not. It's weird. He's like the program in Missouri. It's improving to a degree, 
but it's a very slow process they got going on there. It's like Novocaine. Yeah, just give it time. <laughs> just give it time. But I'm going to take the over on Missouri Tigers. Let's go over. All right. Send it. On to the next. <laughs> and lastly, we have Vanderbilt. I'm going over on this one without even giving you the schedule. They're, they're favorite, uh, 1.5. Oh, I'm taking over without a doubt. Taking over without a doubt on this one. Let's go over the schedule. First game is at Hawaii. W. Second game is Elon Phoenix. I don't even know who the hell that is. And uh, me either. Third w. game will be Wake Forest at home. I think they'll get Wake Forest fit. I think it'll be a good game. And then they're going to be at NIU, at Bama, home to Ole Miss. Then they're at Georgia, home to Missouri and South Carolina. They're at Kentucky, and they finish the season home to Florida and Tennessee. I think Vandy's going to win four, maybe five games this year. They're going to upset at least one SEC team this year. Yeah, I think I think they'll get their first SEC win this season. That they've had in a long time. As a South Carolina fan, I hate to say that. It scares the hell out of me. But no. uh, I think they're going to slip up and get somebody in SEC this year. It could very well be South Carolina. They almost got them last year. But Tennessee, sleepwalking in their last game, thinking about a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Playing at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt has upset Tennessee many, many times that you never thought it would happen. Yep, and then you're looking at a Florida team the second to last game. They can sneak up on Florida. They can sneak up on South Carolina. They play Missouri. Play yeah, Missouri. they can beat Missouri. They can sneak up and beat them. Out of conference games, I don't see where any of those would be a real huge issue for them. I think Vanny can surprise the hell out of people. They make me nervous. They do. They really do. I mean, they look fantastic from what I've been able to see so far in that spring game. But I, they're I, from what I can see, they're they're better. They're more improved than what they were last year. They look very improved. They look very very hungry. That is a true rebuild from the ground up. They had down there. Yeah. And I think it's. It's going to be tough. And then going into year two? Yeah. They've established what they wanted to. They've got they've got all of their, you know, everything kind of, you know, dwindled in the system where they want it to be. They, they're getting their players in that they want. I, I really, I, I'm really looking forward to the future with Vanderbilt. And I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, and just think, man, they already hungry as hell. Two years ago, they won no games. Winless. Last year, they won, what was it, two games? I think one or two games. I think they won two. I think you're right. And they had a couple close ones they could have won. And then this year here, going into the season, you're projected to win one game. I mean, the disrespect they have to feel. And you, I guarantee you, their coach is throwing this in every single one of those players' faces. Oh, I guarantee you. I would. Love your bulletin board material. Yeah, without a doubt. So, I don't know, but that is our personal thoughts on the win-loss totals. We gave you our too early you still gotta send projections. Oh, oh, all right. So, my bad, my bad. <laughs> so, you sold on. I'm sold. Over. I'm sold. Over. All right. That's a wrap. <laughs> Case dismissed. <laughs> well, with that being said, y'all, we appreciate y'all tuning in. That was our reaction to the projected win loss totals over unders on the SEC East. We gave you our personal opinions, gave you what we thought their win totals would be, our over under thoughts. And uh, that being said, I just want to say we appreciate y'all tuning in. We appreciate all your support. I do apologize for not getting an episode out last week, but I had several nights around there where I was working till nine, ten o'clock at night, and it just it was not possible to get an episode in, and that is my fault, y'all. 
Yeah, it's not your fault, brother. It's the way things turn out. Got to do what you got to do. That's exactly right. But maybe one day we can get to doing this thing full time and then we won't have to worry about us no more. <laughs> With that, we need y'all's help. We love y'all. <laughs> yes, sir. That's exactly right. But um, you got anything else you want to touch on? Nope. I think I'm good to go, man. I, I just appreciate everybody. And, you know, we look forward to, to digging a little deeper into some of the spring games and, you know, bringing you some more news throughout the league. That's exactly right. And uh, maybe our next episode we'll touch on the SEC West and, once the ACC gets out with their stuff, we'll try to do the same thing with them. We always Absolutely. do. But with all that being said, until next time, y'all keep those drinks cold and keep them chains moving. We love y'all. We'll see you next time. And say goodbye to the big guy. <laughs>